tonight, I, I know that uh, Pastor Tony's gone on and on about me preaching a message and what have you, and that's all good, but um, I'm among family, and I know that. And when I asked God, uh, when, when Tony reached out and, and asked if I would be able to come and, and speak tonight, and immediately I began to ask God, what would you have me to share? What would you have me to say? Because there is something very specific um, for each of us. And if, if God wants us to know what that is, he is not going to withhold it from us. He wants us to know. And so I just would uh, ask that you continue to pray with me tonight as well. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll get into the message. Father, we thank you so much. You're so awesome, Lord. We know that, Lord, we can come and worship you freely. Unlike many countries tonight who are held at gunpoint, who have to have underground church, we don't have to do that, Father. We have a freedom that was purchased by men and women, this country fighting in wars so that we could have the freedom of religion to come and, and serve and worship you. But Lord, more than that, we have the freedom in Jesus Christ. And, and we know because of you, Father, we have everything. We thank you tonight for what you've begun in our hearts. May you, Lord, you be with these words as I speak them from you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So you guys all uh, rested up from this afternoon? Yeah, how many people had dessert with their meal? <laughs> this side had it all. <laughs> I didn't have mine, which means I'm going to have some before the night's over. Anybody that knows me knows I have a sweet tooth. But uh, I want to do something special. This is something I know the Lord asked me to do, and, and I don't want to exclude anybody. So if I do that, it's not an intention of mine, I understand. But if you were in this church, Fellowship Baptist Church, anywhere from uh, 1977 until 1999, would you just stand for a moment? 1977 to 1999. Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. He said, why did you do that? Without these people in my life, you wouldn't have me standing here. Yeah, every one of these people have played a, a role in my life at some point or time. And one of the things my mother always taught us, be grateful. And don't forget and we live in such fast-paced times that that's a very, very common thing to do. Um, everyone's real busy, and it's not that what you have to do is not important. But, you know, sometimes it just it means a whole world of difference if you just take the time and make the time to acknowledge someone who's done something for you. They're not asking for you to name a street after them like we did when the Buckeyes won the championship, right? But just that little bit of thank you goes a long way. And... You know, sometimes uh, many people don't feel like anyone remembers. It doesn't matter. But it matters to the Lord. And I believe that even though he's going to reward us accordingly when we get to glory, I believe we should show it here on the earth as well. So that's why I make a big deal about Mrs. Denoff. It blessed my heart when Karen, she never met Mrs. Denoff until tonight, but she's always heard about her. And everywhere I go, I will always talk about Pastor Genoff and Mrs. Genoff. Why? Because without those two, I would not have heard the, the gospel message of Jesus Christ, most likely. And so tonight's a little journey for me, a testimonial almost, but also some things. I, don't, I just want to entitle the message tonight, Exceedingly Abundantly. Exceedingly Abundantly. And ever since I've, I've, I've left here... Uh, and gone into full-time ministry, it has been like a great roller coaster ride. <laughs> it's been awesome. I had no idea this was what God had for my life. But the Lord knew. 
when he moved my father here in 1975, or excuse me, 1977, we were in Germany and we came back to the States. And my, my father was stationed at Rickenbacker when it was still out there. Mom was a teacher. And we didn't have a church, but it was always her desire for her children to be raised in church. She was from the South. She, she knew that was an important thing. And we first lived across the bridge um, on court, off of Courtright Road and uh, went to Courtright Elementary School when it was still school. And that Saturday morning, I'll never forget, we had a knock on the door and they were doing surveying, they called it. And it was Bill Dollison and Marla Mitzel, Irene McLaughlin at that time, Irene different last name, uh, and then Greg McLaughlin. And they came around, and <laughs> we would kid later about Lisa, Lisa Stewart's and on Irene McLaughlin's cookies. They were harder than day, but uh, they would always bring them on the bus for the kids, and uh, it was an awesome thing. And my bus drivers, they were so faithful, Mr. Walden and Mr. McCauley, that was my bus route, 8A and 8B. And without that bus system in place, I didn't have a way to come to church because we only had one family car. And I say all that to say this is that you never should forget your beginning. In the Old Testament, it talks about remember the ancient landmark. Don't forget it. Don't remove it. Let it be as a serve as a reminder and as an Ebenezer. And so I've tried to do my best to do that all these, all these years. And I'm not old. I'm only 48 years old, 48 years young. I had just had a test the other day. They said I had the metabolism of a 30-year-old. And I said, well, I'm going to get it down to 12. So... <laughs> And uh, it's, good to, it's good to be healthy. It is. I, I praise God for my health. So many people have challenges in that area, and I'm thankful. But I, I don't ever want to get to the point where I forget what's most important. And the most greatest, the biggest asset in my life, it's not music. It's not what I can write or what I can sing or an album I can record. Those things are fun, and they're enjoyable processes. My, my greatest asset is you. It's people. And it's what Jesus made his greatest asset to be, people. And yet he would come and leave glory and leave paradise so that he could take a cross and die for us. And so to have that as my focal point has been a great help. And I got a great foundation here. So I just wanted to say thank you. So tonight I just want to visit, uh, there's like four key scriptures in my life I love. I have a whole bunch, but these four have helped me tremendously. And people have asked me, you know, you, you seem to do, have done well for yourself, et cetera. And they measure it in the world success measurements. But I don't look at it that way. I look at it as a direct outcome of what God said. Did you know that tonight God cannot lie? That his word is truth. Whether we get it or not, if we finally understand it someday, no. He is true and true all the way through. And you come to a point in your life when you're going to make a decision. Either he's God or he is not. There was never a middle of the road for me. And it was so important that when I heard the message that morning, sitting back where Mrs. Maynard is sitting right now, and Pastor Denoff said, I want all of the youth to come in together this Sunday. And we had a revival, and it was with uh, Jerry Johnston. And we had the power lifter, Paul Wren. And Robbie Heiner was our guest singer. And he had us pile in here, and we normally didn't come in here. We already had our own class like what Pastor Tyler has with the youth. But we all piled in and, and that was that morning that I heard the gospel in a way I had not heard it before. And I had heard it every week, but it, it really got to me. And I looked next to Jeff Willis and I said, I'm lost. 
And so there, Mrs. Dunoff was leading the invitation, and I walked down this aisle right here, and it came right down here, and I knew I was, I was not saved, and I, I got saved. And then I became baptized, and, and that was when I was 16, in 1982, November 1982. And a year later, I surrendered my life to God, and I said, God, you can have my life and have whatever you want to do with it. And I knelt at that altar and surrendered, and there was no one in there when I did that. I just, I knew that the things that I had set out to become and, and, and to want to aspire to become, um, my dream was to be an architect. Um, I, I knew that for the longest of time, and I always had great grades academically in school, so it, everything seemed promising that way. And I always said I'll never, I'll never do music as a career, and I always said I'll never go to Ohio State, and I ended up doing both of those. <laughs> and the Lord blessed me with a scholarship to go to Ohio State, and um, I never had any problems. Uh, financially with that or anything. Um, so it was always a green light. And I think about it now how you sit where you sit every weekend and you hear message after message and you hear song after song and choir special after choir special and cantata and pageants and special days and, and carnivals and this women's teas and uh, the special dramas you have and all these things. And it, it gets to the point where it just becomes so commonplace sometimes because that's what you're used to. But you know, there's a world out here that they really don't have any of this. They don't know. They've never heard. Still, even in our modern society, it's become more and more uh, complex for people to simply understand that someone loved them enough to die for them and to take care of their sin. And so we have a mission before us, as our brother is visiting. We have a mission before us, not just in Albania, but here in the United States, in Columbus, Ohio, the Buckeye State, to get the good news of the gospel out. And so tonight, I wanted to share a couple of those verses that have helped me to stay on focus. Once I understood what my focus was, my whole life dramatically changed. It's as if somebody took, took my hand and said, no, you've been going here. Now let's go this direction. And there I sit. I'm looking at all you young ones here tonight. And I love it. I love that you're sitting up front because where this little girl is sitting with the, this pink striped shirt, that's where I sat. And I looked up into this choir, and I saw a big, big choir, and I said, someday, I want to do that. And as I was sharing with the choir tonight, I went up to Mrs. Dunoff. I got up enough guts, and I was just a little kid, fat cheeks, always decked out. Mom always had a suit on me. And I, I said, can I get in the choir? And she says, now then. That was always her phrase, now then. How old are you? And I told her, she says, well, when you become this certain age, and you can come back and audition, and and I did. I couldn't wait to turn that age. And I went in that back room and she auditioned me. And then she selected me to be in the choir. And I would sit next to Mrs. Matheny and Diane and Mr. Bauckham and all the different people of that time. And here I was in a whole new experience. And it was something I didn't know I could do. It was something I didn't know I even had the ability to do. But because of this place, because of this place, it inspired me to want to use my gifts and talents for God. And so I, I said, God, I don't know what you're going to have me do. I don't know what that looks like. The only thing I ever saw modeled that came through here were quartets, the cathedral quartet, the tallies, the kingsmen, the hoppers. That's all I saw. I saw Robbie Heiner. I saw um, uh, there was a brother, uh, Tim Kaufman, Kendra Cook, all these different ones. We had a variety of singers come. And we had our own singers in the church that were just amazing. But I didn't know what that really was for me. And so I had to yield that over to God. And 
Then I off to Ohio State. And when you go to Ohio State and study music, you can't just go in. And anyone who's gone there knows that you have to audition. There's a process like most things. And so I had to audition. I got accepted. And then the real work began. And it was very, very difficult. Because many times I felt so out of place. I'm like, why am I here? I don't want to sing opera. I don't want to do that. But the Lord would not let me stop. He says, you need to learn these things. And so I took the classes and things that I felt would help me in the future. And, you know, I can stand here tonight saying I've used every bit of it. Uh, nothing has been used in vain. And so my first point I want to make to you is that preparation time is never wasted time. Preparation time is never wasted time. You might be feeling tonight like, you know what, when's my turn? When is someone going to recognize my gift? I feel like I would love to do and you fill the blank in. How do I even begin to do that? All you need is that God tell you to do it. You don't have to ever have someone understand it, accept it. But if God has given you something to do, you got, you've got to act upon it. You could put, sit on your hands and do nothing. But as we've seen in scripture, he was scolded when he did not multiply the talent that was given to him. But I didn't sit on mine. When I, once I understood the Lord speak to my heart, I remember going, and this was at a time was very difficult. I finished college by that point in time, and it was getting closer to the end of the 90s. My mother was becoming more and more ill. Many of you remember that. And um, Tony had just come in on the scene. He was just a younger guy then. He had a full afro back then, guys. <laughs> um, pastor was still with us. And I remember going to my mom. And I told my older sister, many of you know Crystal. She's, she's very, very to the point. And I said, don't tell mom I'm going to change my major. And, and she says, I'm going to say anything. Well, I did. And when I finally told my mother what I had done, she says, why did you, why did you change your major? I says, mom, God told me to do this. And when people tell you God told you to do something, sometimes you're like, well, everybody says that. But he really did. He spoke to me. And I was walking um, to a math class, calculus, pre-calculus class of some sort. And I would hear the people sing up in those practice rooms. And I got such a deep conviction. I'm like, you should be up there. You should be up there. And I would deny it. And I said, no, 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 I can't do that. Because I wanted to make money and I wanted to have all those things that I never had as a kid like most people. And I finally yielded to the Holy Spirit, and I said, okay, I'm not going to fight against it anymore. Do you not know until I yielded to the Holy Spirit that he unveiled that I had the gift of writing music? Because it was through that experience that I would write my first song. And uh, it was just a song of where I was at in life. And, uh, but those things begin to happen. And you say, well, that's, that's nice to know. Well, it's important because those abilities were realized, and they not just benefited me, but I remember being called up on by Mrs. Denoff. We had this song in a pageant for years. I have seen the light. We wore the song out. And if you weren't singing it, and I had to sing with two other gentlemen, it was a very high song. And to do that night after night was very demanding. And she says, Marcus, I'd love to find a new song, but I just don't know where to find one. And so I, I wrote one, and that was the song, We Have Seen His Star. Now, you understand, don't despise your beginnings. That bus that ran and pick us up, picked us up at the piano my mother bought when I was in the third grade or eighth grade. All the lessons, all the things that we do in life are for reasons. Preparation time is never a waste of time. And I used everything I could because I had a picture in front of me. 
And many of you young people, and not just you young people, but some of you who are 19, 20, 21, 25, 30, 40, you have a vision. And you've been sitting on this vision and you've been waiting and waiting. It's like it's been an incubator for a sort. But there is a point in time in your life when you're going to need to birth that vision. And you're going to have to act upon it. And as long as you sit there, it will never, never take off. Tony had a vision with Jenny. They, they had a vision to come here and, re- and accept this position. The other pastors have had a vision. Mrs. Dunoff has had a vision. Many of you who have served in ministries of this church have had a vision. For those who teach in the Sunday school, those who teach in, the, in all the other classrooms, you have a vision. You have to have something because you need to know where you're going. And it's that that God can bless and use. And that's all he's asking. Give me that two fish and loaves of bread. Give me that, that fish and two loaves of bread and let me use it. Let me multiply it. And so as I began to seek out God, what, what does this look like? What's my future look? Because I wanted to know. I'm a very particular person. I'm very, I was a perfectionist really, really badly then. Not so much anymore. It's a, that's fooey, but uh, that's, you know, we go through those things. Um, and God showed me, this is what I need you to do, Marcus. Stay close to me. Listen, my, know my voice. Know me. I'll show you. If I called you, it's my problem anyway. It's never been yours. I'm looking for a vessel. I'm looking for a funnel. I'm looking for someone to pour through. Are you willing to take me up on that? I may not show you all the details, but would you still follow me? Which would mean I need to have faith. And so one of the first scriptures, if you would take uh, your Bibles tonight, turn to James chapter 4. We've all heard this scripture at one point or time. Maybe some of us have not studied it enough. But chapter 4 And I'm just going to ease into it with verse 7. It says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But here's the point I want you to get. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. There's a promise in that. The Word of God tells me tonight that if I... Move myself positionally to God. What does it say? He will come near me. It didn't say maybe or I think it will. It says it will happen this way. For some of us tonight, we need to be refreshed in that because we're not drawn enough towards God. But God has promised you that if you come near him, he will come near you. And he tells us when we get to him, make sure we've taken the time to cleanse ourselves. Not him cleanse us, but we cleanse our hands. That's what it says there. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. A double-minded man, it says in another portion of Scripture, is unstable in all his ways. All double-mindedness means is that you can't make your mind up. You want to do this, then you want to do that, and so therefore you're out of whack, you're out of balance, and you can't stand. And then verse 10, we've all learned this little Sunday school course. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. There's two things there. If I draw near to God, if I move to God... He will come near to me. Was not not his original plan anyhow. He created you. He created me tonight so that he could have intimate relationship with us. Perfect relationship with us. And yet we fell. We messed it up through Adam. And because of that, he had to send a reconciler, Jesus Christ. But tonight, he still desires for you to be in that intimate yoke with him. That intimate bond with him. As if a, a husband and wife in marriage have. When a baby comes from that marriage, it's because of the intimacy that they shared. And our Father in heaven wants that intimacy with you. And anyone who's professed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, 
God has made it able and more and more than willing to have that intimacy with you. It's all because of Jesus. Amen? But humility is key. In my position, when I realized what God was going to do with my life and ministry, I couldn't get ahead of him. I couldn't try to tell him what to do. Well, I could have, but it wouldn't have worked. And so I've always just remembered what I was taught here. Get your hands off the glory. Let God have the glory, and you'll be fine. Pastor would always tell us, love people. Just love people. If you love people truly, like you want to be loved, people will know that. People will also know when you're not holding their best interest at heart. People know. Children know. Dogs know. If a dog can know, a human being can absolutely know this. So it's been a model of mine just to love people. And as I get older, I find myself sticking out, not on purpose, but, you know, there are so many people who have so much baggage, so many things that have not been solved for them, that if you tell them, Tony, I love you, they're like, what do you want from me? What's your agenda? What do you do? Who are you? I don't know you. Uh, no, I'm not giving you my number. Have you ever been approached like that or handed that? They don't have to answer, but we all will have that at some point in time. Why? Because our society has not geared itself any longer for a trust. When, you, when a person promises you that you're going to have a Burger King and it's going to be the lifetime experience of a burger and it's not, therefore you have no accreditation in any other burger probably. That's a silly example, but it's, it's my point. We don't trust us like we used to. And we don't take people at face value like we used to. But yet Jesus Christ gave us the benefit. And so I just simply said for my life, I'm not going to uh, approach people like, well, what can you do for me? Or what can I get out of you? Or I'm trying to scam you. I want to just give people love. And God helps me to do that. And that's just Marcus. Everybody's not wired like that. I get that. But, you know, we are all capable of becoming like that because we have the fruit of the Spirit if we let it be in operation. So that's my first point tonight. A part of my preparation was this. You've got to stay close to the one who knows the goods. If you want to be an ice cream sundae, you can't go hang out in the pizza shop. You've got to be around a creamery, right? If you, want to, if you want to know what chocolate tastes like, you can't eat spaghetti sauce. You have to eat chocolate. My point is you've got to be where it actually is, and Jesus Christ is the way. So drawing near to him, submitting to him, humbling myself under him. Now let's turn to uh, 2 Timothy. Chapter 2. I'll give you the verses first, and then I'll show you what I'll do with them. We've heard this one as well. Chapter 2, verse 15. It's a study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study. Show yourself approved unto God. I'm not telling you anything new tonight. You've all heard this, but sometimes it's good to have a review session. I'll use music as my example. So I have students that I teach all the time. I have classrooms that I teach all the time. I run into all kinds of musicians all of the time. And a lot of worship people all of the time. And they want. They want, they want, they want. And so when I begin to ask them, well, what are you willing to do to get that? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I want to I play that piano like Mark Barrett. I mean, I just want to play like Mark Barrett. I says, well, do you have a piano? No, I don't have a piano. I don't. But I want to play like Mark Barrett. I got a little fold-out thing at home. What that shows me and tells me is that you surely are not totally understanding of what went into him preparing himself to play that. 
or someone who sings or someone who does something else. Uh, it could be any instrument. But there's going to be something that costs you something. That's a part of your preparation. And so when you're not willing to study, you can't expect for the things to come. But we've come to a point in our life sometimes where we think, I want all these things, but I'm not willing to, to do anything to get them. And so that's all it is, is a quick fix. But a quick fix won't sustain itself. A quick fix won't just unravel and just flop. But someone who's studied... Now, how many people, if you take your car in tonight because you need an alignment after hitting potholes all day, you want someone, well, dude, (laughs) I I think I know how to work on your car. (laughs) Let me work on your car. You're not touching my car, you know? I mean, I'll go find someone else that can take care of the car like it's supposed to be taken care of. Or you don't want someone, if you're, ladies, if you're going to get married, are there any potential brides in in the house tonight? You're getting married, aren't you? And she's radiating all over, see? And uh, you've made her a very happy young man. But she doesn't want her baker to hopefully know how to make her wedding cake. In other words, when she slices it and she tastes it, it doesn't want to taste like alfalfa sprouts, right? You want it to taste good, like a cake. So that baker has had to study, know how much flour, how much sugar, how much leavening, et cetera, et cetera, to put in. And my point is taken very, you know what I'm saying. You've got to study. Well, the Bible says study to show yourselves approved, a workman, that's not ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. The word of God, whether we like it or not, it will endure forever. Jesus says, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is king of kings and lord of lords. But you know what else? The word of God will never fade. Heaven and earth will pass away, it says, but not my word. So if the word of God will never fail and never fade. Why are we trying to remove ourselves from it? I talk to so many people, they they want answers for this, they want answers for that. It could be something musical, it could be something practical. And I always tell them the same thing. Did you talk to God about it? Yeah, but that's old-fashioned, but that doesn't really work. Well, they say that because it's been modeled by someone who didn't model it properly. But because I fail that, it doesn't mean the Word of God doesn't stand. (laughs) The Word is the Word. And we really have to get to a bedrock foundation in our lives as believers that, you know what, no matter what happens, no matter what people say or what they put on movies and TV and books in our school systems, on our jobs, I'm going to do what God says to do, period. And you have to get to an absolute thing like that. That's not being uh, bigoted. That's being smart. And in a time in the life where, where there's so much that is so gray, uh, people who are professing Christians, well, where I'm from now, there's a lot of people who say they're Christians, and I know that they mean to say that they're Christian, but it's not what we know as a Christian. It's a form of godliness, but it denies the power thereof. So the word of God will prevail and will always be there. And it's the one thing that if you want to, to take time to prepare for your future of any kind, not just ministry, but your life, you need to know what the word says. The Bible says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus Christ was the word made flesh. So the word of God is something I want to, as we say in Sunday school, hide in my heart so I don't sin against you. It's true. It's the true thing. It's the real thing like the Coca-Cola commercial back years ago. It really is. And you can't do any better than this word. And there have been people who have ripped it out. People who have burned it. People who have lost their lives over it because they're promoting it. People who have spit on it. People who have trespassed against it. And on and on and on. But God says, my word still remains. You believe that tonight? Amen. 
in 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 4. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men. The things that you have heard at Fellowship Baptist Church among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men. The things that I heard back in 1982, November, that I heard and received in my heart, I now need to be able to commit that to someone else who's going to be faithful to the cause of Jesus Christ. For if the day comes that I just sit on what I heard and what I learned, and it being truth for me only, what a sad state that is. God did not die in vain, but he says, I give you life, and I give you that more abundantly. His goal for my life, for Marcus Sean Gresham, is to promote him. And in promoting him, everything else falls into place. He will have no other above him. And because I understand that my whole life has been a result of success, I'm no smarter than any of you. I'm not better looking than any of you. Well, we'll argue that maybe with some. But no, I just realized at a young age, at your age, I was 10 years old. 10 years old. And she was still just a little kid, spoiled as ever, Nicole. But I was always a little smarter than most kids. Not to brag, but I'm just telling you that's what it was. So I, I look at it now and I understand God was trying to show me things at a young age. And this was no coincidence that he had us come to Columbus, Ohio. We could have gone anywhere. I think we were actually supposed to go to New Jersey. And my mother said, no, let's go to Ohio. And so we came here. And even before we got to Columbus, I can remember wondering, well, how does someone go to heaven? And the first time I came to the doors of this church, I heard Pastor Denoff. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You can know tonight without a shadow of a doubt. I said, what? And he talked about this John 3.16 and the Romans Road and all the workers down here. And I would see that as a kid. And that little mystery was solved. And it went away. Now I didn't have to wonder anymore. I knew I could know. And I took God up on that offer. And so I think it's heresy for me not to want to share that with somebody else. Whose right do I have to keep it all to myself? He said, that's, that's being pretty. No, it's important. Because if someone had done that to me, I would never know Jesus. But just think about, you, you have influence tonight. Every last one in this room has influence somewhere. If it's just yourself, you have an influence. You influence yourself to go get the same meal every day at the lunchtime or something. I don't know, but we all have an opportunity to talk to someone around us. It could be your family. It could be a worker. It could be your church person. It could be someone that you're interested in marrying. I don't know, but you all have influence, good or bad. But what if that influence was used for the cause of Jesus Christ? If it was the type of influence that when someone saw your life, when they saw you walk into a room, they cannot help but notice you, and you take command, it's not because you're saying anything or you're, you're making them respect you, it's just because of how you carry yourself. You know, as a Christian, as a believer, my mother always used to teach us, when you walk, don't you walk with your head down, you walk with your head up. And I was like, Mama, why do you say that? She says, because you have nothing to be ashamed of. Put your head up. And so I walk with dignity because I am crowned with dignity and worth tonight. I have Jesus Christ. He robed me in righteousness. Amen? You are robed in righteousness tonight. Every last person in this room. It doesn't matter if you're female, if you're male, if you are white, if you're black, if you're poor, if you're rich. You are robed in righteousness. The blood of Jesus Christ is the most precious and perfect blood we know. 
Guess what? It's in you if you are a Jesus Christ follower. If you are a born-again Christian, the blood of Jesus Christ has come, like he said this morning, and it has cleansed you from all your, from all your sin. That's royalty, and I wear that. And so because I know that, it doesn't matter how you think of me. It doesn't even matter how Marcus thinks of himself. It matters, will I be willing to step over here and identify with what God has said? God has said, you are, this is, I am. Or I can say, but this happened and I, I, no, I chose to believe my father over what happened. I chose to believe my father over what I feel like. So it allows me to come into a setting of any kind knowing God's got my heart. God's got my best interest. And that's, that puts a smile on this man's face. And that allows me to love other people. And you know what? Everybody's not sweet and lovely. I get that. Everybody has problems. I've had mine. But God is God. God is faithful. And if you're going to get mad at someone, get mad at the bottom of your shoe. But don't get mad at God. God loves you. He really does. And he's no favorite of other people, you know. He loves us all. He died for us all. Let me get back to my point. I had no idea that when I said yes, down here, man, if you had asked me, Mr. McCauley, sitting on that bus, hanging on the bar like this and waving my hand like this, be a missionary every day. Tell the world that Jesus, you know, that's what we did back in those days, right? (laughs) If those kids kept coming and coming and coming, they look forward to that bus coming on their street to pick them up. And I know that for a couple weeks you've not been able to pick them up because of the weather. But who would have thought? Who would have known? Yeah, it makes for a great story. It really does make for a great novel. But it could happen. It could have been anybody. But God chose to allow me to be exposed to something greater and I had no idea my life would be what it is today. I really didn't. And I just kept saying, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And there were some things I understood and there were some things I didn't. But I always said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And you ask my family, they'll tell you, you've always feared God and you've always done what God has told you to do. To have my older brothers tell me, I, I love and I respect you, that's a big thing. To have people older than me say, you are a man of God, that's a big thing. It's not, I'm perfect. But what they see is something that Jesus bears in me. Amen? And so my point is tonight, any one of you can have that same opportunity. And you know what? There's no condition on this. It doesn't matter if you're 83. It doesn't matter if you're 15. It doesn't matter if you're 5. If you truly want to know Jesus the way he said to know him, you can, you can do that. You can really have a life filled with his promises. My life verse, one of them, is in Ephesians. If you'll turn there... As I wrap this up, Ephesians 3, 20, verses uh, 20 and 21. I love these verses. Let's, let's say them out loud together. Now, unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages and without end. Amen. Exceedingly abundantly. That's the kind of God I serve. Amen? They used to tell the story all the time. We had it memorized. How they started in Shady Lane. How she went to the piano and plunked the key. How it would freeze. The ink pens would freeze on visitation. I heard them all. I know all those stories. Those are legacies for us. 
But guess what? Now you have new legacies. This is, this is the next chapter right here. And guess what? Not just him, but each one of you. So I said to Mr. McCauley this morning and his wife, I says, I don't know anybody that's under 30 in here. <laughs> Everybody I know is up and married. I mean, to see Brent Matheny and he's going to have another child, that's awesome. I remember when that guy was, so would you stand up for me? I remember when Brent was this tall and he stood up there and he sung all is well. Thank you, sir. I'll give you a free CD. Make sure I give it to you, okay? Okay. <laughs> he sees in bewilderment. But, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of gems and diamonds in this room tonight. And I look at Nicholas. I mean, this is a miracle right here. You're married. Wow. <laughs> and I remember Nicholas. We had a 4th of July thing, and we walked. And, I, and these guys, there were five guys. We had this military drill. <laughs> Bless his heart. I said, Nick, right foot. He was on left. Left foot. He was on right. But he got it. You got it right, man. You got your bride. That's all that matters. Amen. <laughs> and Mrs. Harris, she would have the girls' ensemble, and then she had the mixed ensemble. And I, we would always sing that song, My House is Filled, but Your Field is Empty. Right. You know, and, and just on, so many, so many mem- memories here. And I didn't think it could get any better. I really didn't. I mean, the pageants, I know you've had your dramas. Those pageants were their gold for us because people would just come and we would have to put up extra chairs and you have to do that now. And when I left in 1999 and God sent me to West Virginia, I'm like, what in the world are you doing? I don't know anybody in West Virginia. There's nothing in West Virginia that I know of. <laughs> and uh, man, it was amazing. Seven years of my life there. And she came and visited. She wanted to, her and Sybil came down. She wanted to make sure I was okay. That, she did that. I don't know if you knew that. And it was a large church. And we had a huge passion play. That was our thing. And that's what you're getting ready to start doing here, I guess. More, I'll be praying for you. But <laughs> without that place in my life, I would not have learned so much about worship that God taught me there. And to this day, I'll be indebted to Sister James and Virginia Wright. They taught me how to have thrills, romance, and adventure in the ministry. That at any day, at any time, things can change. But remember one thing, God doesn't change. God doesn't change. And then the Lord would have me go to Pittsburgh. And for five years, I would serve there as a worship pastor. And to this day, that pastor is my personal friend, him and his wife, John and Michelle Nuzzo. All these Italian people in my life, God, is, he must want me to be Italian. My best friend is Italian, Armando. He makes the greatest, his mom makes the greatest gnocchi in the world. I mean, it's, it's really good. So we have, you know, this is a holy, holy leadership team because he's Italian and we got an Italian back with Joe and um, Tyler is not Italian, but we're trying to make him Italian. He likes to shoot ducks and Richard likes to shoot ducks. But uh, my point is that God has exceeded my expectations. You ever been on a job interview or had a job performance and and your boss has said, you've exceeded our expectations. We didn't think that you could do all these things. That's what God has done with me. And I ask him all the time, Lord, why did you give me the ability to sing? Why did you give me the ability to play piano? Why did you give me the ability to, to write songs and to arrange songs, to produce songs and to teach children how to play? Why, why, why? You know what he said to me? Because I trust you. Because I trust you. That's huge. To have the maker of the world say to you, I trust you, Marcus. 
meant I had to draw near to him. Someone doesn't say they trust you unless you have their heart. He knew I was good for it. Though I didn't understand a lot of things early in my faith about the Word of God and about Scripture, I knew one thing that my mother always taught us. You don't, you don't complain, you don't, you don't become ungrateful, and you don't blame God. And no one owes you a thing. She would tell us this. That's not a popular message today, is it? But no one owes you a thing. You owe yourself something. You know that? So I took that as my initiative to go out and do what I'm supposed to do in life. And I don't know how I would live life apart from God. I wouldn't even want to think about it. And let me just tell you, it hasn't all been mashed potatoes and sweet potatoes and gravy. There have been some tough times, hard times, and you've had them too. And how in the world have we made it? As we were singing tonight, he reaches to the highest mountain and to the lowest valley. That's what God does for us. He's exceedingly abundantly above anything we could ask or imagine, think or imagine. Amen? My challenge for you tonight would be one thing. I'll leave you with this verse. If you turn to John chapter 3, or excuse me, John 17, 3. Jesus, before he was about to depart, gave us these words. And this is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. That was Jesus' heart. The model there was that you would know your maker in an intimate way. The way God, Jesus knew his father. That was his whole reason for coming. And now, so tonight, you have the avenue and the opportunity right before you to do so. You can just go through a ritual of religion, or you can go through coming to church, sitting, leaving. Coming to church, sitting, leaving. Or you can actually take it up a notch, as Emerald would say on Food Network, and really dig in and find out who God is for you. I don't want to serve God just in a Bible. I don't want to serve God just in a Christian song that someone writes. I don't want to just serve God in a little handout or a, a pamphlet. I want to serve God when I need, I'm, when I'm driving on the road by myself and something happens accidentally and I didn't expect it. And there's God with me. I want to know God in that midnight hour. I want to know God in my successful time. Not just when it hurts. You understand? And that's how God wants to be with you because remember, his best that he ever had for you was what he created in Genesis before we messed it up. He wants that with us tonight. Your life can still take on the expectant, the unexpected, the exceedingly abundantly things. Your life can be in an intimate way. You can study so that you know what you're talking about, that you have a vision and purpose. 